Please stand for the reading of God's Word, Psalm 103, the whole psalm. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and bless all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are, are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, and acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and peace, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. Amen. Please remain. Genesis chapter 21. Please turn in Genesis chapter 21. Thank you for that song, Charlie and Kerry. It was, it's very appropriate for this passage of Scripture. And then eternity. We're almost to the mountaintop of the Abraham story, if you will. But before we get to that mountaintop experience in Genesis chapter 22... We come to almost a passage of Scripture that we easily skip over because we want to get to the next part. But I'm not going to get to the next part until we deal with this really important passage in God's Word. Genesis chapter 21. And I want to speak to you today on this subject tying it into the Thanksgiving theme, survival in a savage 
society. How can we survive and thrive in a world that is wild and often savage? And that's the kind of world that Abraham is in, isn't it? So let's read this passage. I'd like to read Genesis chapter 21, beginning at verse 22. And I'll go to the end of the chapter. Genesis 21, verse 22. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, spake with unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. Now therefore, swear unto me here by God, that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son, but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me, and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. And Abimelech said, I want not who hath done this thing, neither didst thou tell me, neither yet I heard of it, but today. And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast set by themselves? And he said, For these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand, that they may be a witness unto me that I have digged this well. Wherefore he called that place Beersheba, because there they swear, both of them. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech rose up and called the chief captain of his host, and they returned into the land of the Philistines. And Abraham, let's read verse 33 and 34 together. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called thereon the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. And this message is on page 10 and 11. If you want to follow along and even take notes, I think it would be of value and help to you. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You so much, dear God, that You've given us these amazing stories that tell real-life struggles and situations and conflicts, and how they were resolved, and how people survived in a different time, in a different era, but they were people. Abraham was a man, and Sarah was a woman, just like we are men and women here today. And Lord, we see how they endured for You, how they looked to You and leaned on You. And Lord, though times and customs have changed, from Abraham's day, our need for You has not changed. And so, Lord, please use this time and may this message be of help and value to us all. In Jesus' name, Amen. 
So this is the kind of society we're living in. When I thought of that title, survival in a savage society, when I saw this picture of this lion, it just seemed to resonate that this is kind of the world we're living in. It's growling at us. And so this is Abraham, the the lion, and this is the world kind of growling right at Abraham. And this is the question I have in your notes this morning. How can you find safety and security in this world? We don't have lions growling at us, but we live in this urban jungle, as you will. And there are lions around us growling and baring their teeth at us. How do we find safety and security in this world? And where do people look? What do people look for to find the safety that we all crave? We all want safety in this world that is violent, that is a wild world, that is a savage kind of society where there's backstabbers, right? Uh, It seems wherever we go. Life is filled with stress. I mean, every day you pick up the paper and you just read the most terrible things, right? And I'm not even going to enumerate any, but just today, you pick up the paper and see how this person died and the way they died and, that, and what this person's going through and that person. It's, and, and this is their reality. It's, it's so incredible. This, this life can bring a lot of sadness and heartache. And we want to find some safety and security in it. And Abraham shows us how. Not just to survive, but to thrive. And we're going to see it this morning when he called. It says he called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. The name of the Lord, the everlasting God. The name of God there is El Olam. And we'll see that this morning. I love that name for God. El Olam. Say it with me. El Olam. He's the everlasting God. Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now think of Abraham's life. I say a savage society. How many times was his wife kidnapped? Not once, but twice. By two different kings. Can you imagine your wife getting kidnapped? Once? (laughs) His nephew got kidnapped, but not just kidnapped, but where? Taken far away in another city up in the area of Damascus. And what did Abraham do? Remember, he gathered his servants together and went and he slaughtered the kings. Slaughtered them. It's a savage world. That's the only way he could get Lot back, was to literally take the lives of those kings so he could get Lot back. Then, after that, there was a city full of moral wickedness And such deviant behavior, what did God do to that place? You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, what did He do? He destroyed that city. This was the the neighborhood of Abraham. Sodom and Gomorrah. And in this passage, and don't take it lightly, Abraham says to the king who came to him, Abimelech, your servants stole the well. Now, Stole the well. That's big. That's a big thing to do to somebody because without water in that society, you don't survive. You, you, your flocks don't drink. They don't eat. You don't live. Water was life 
for somebody to steal the well is they were, they were literally endangering your existence, your life. That's why I say it's a savage world we're living in. So where do we go? Look at this verse. Can you read it? It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The name of the Lord. That's where we find safety. Not, not in money. Not in our jobs. Not in our marriage. Not in our children. Not in our material things. Because guess what? Everything we have could rust, burn up, be taken away. Nothing in this life is guaranteed to us but God Himself. He's the everlasting God. It's a strong tower. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, some in jobs, some in money, some in their name, some in their bank accounts. But we will trust in the what? The name of the Lord our God. I love that. The name. It's in our text in verse 33. Do you see it? says, He called there. Wherever your there is. You know what you need to do? Make that there a place you do what? Call on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, El Olam. Because there is help in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 124. Ultimate security is in God's name. Let me ask you a question. Do you know God's name? Because if you don't know His name, you don't know God, really. Because, you know, when you, when you get to know somebody, what's the first thing you learn about that person? Their name. If you don't know somebody's name, do you know anything about them? I mean, knowing somebody's name is like foundational. That's the first thing you know. You're not, you don't say, oh, I've been friends for him for, with 20, for 25 years, but I forgot his name. You wouldn't say that. I might say that now because I forget people's names, but I remember your names. The name of the Lord. Now, the this, this study, when you study the life of Abraham, you study the names of God. And I thought about the name of the Lord here. There's a new name in this passage, the everlasting God, El Olam. But we've learned about, in the past, El Elyon. And the name El Elyon means what? It means He is the Most High God. The possessor of heaven and earth. By the possessor of heaven and earth, literally the one who has purchased the world to himself. Because Melchizedek comes out to Abraham when this name of God is used, and they celebrated the Most High God with bread and wine, which was no doubt a type, ultimately, of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who possessed the heavens and the earth, and He purchased us by His blood. He is El Elyon. The, the one true God. He is the Most High God. The one true God. He is El Roi. El Roi. Say it with me. El Roi. And it was Hagar who met El Roi. And so notice the contrast. El Elyon. The one God over all the heavens and the earth. The infinite, infinity of space. God is God over everything. But yet, He sees you. El Roi. Thou God who sees me, <laughs> little old me, me, Hagar said, he's a personal God. 
although he's the God who possesses all the heaven and the earth. And then in chapter 17, verse 1, God spoke to Abraham and said he was Almighty God. God Almighty. He is the Almighty God. And the name there for God is El Shaddai. Say it. El Shaddai. Thank You, You are the Almighty God of power. Thank You, Lord, that You can break through into my personal existence and my life and show Yourself powerful and mighty. You break through and do miracles for me. Amen? You break through and You make me fruitful for You, Lord. You are El Shaddai. Call on the name of the Lord. You know, when you call on to God, I encourage you, use these names for God in prayer. Call upon El Shaddai. Almighty God, call upon El Elyon. Call upon El Roi. Call upon the everlasting God, El Olam. He is the perpetual God of eternity. He is the possessor of heaven and earth. He is the personal God for us. He's the powerful God of all. He is the perpetual God of eternity. He is the everlasting God, unchangeable and unalterable, immutable and immortal, imperishable and indestructible. He's changeless, endless and deathless. He is the everlasting God. What a great God. Hallelujah for our God. Thank you, Lord. Put your hand up to the Lord and say, Thank you, Lord. Give thanks to God. Say, Thank you, El Elyon. Thank you, El Roi. Thank you, El Shaddai. Thank you, El Olam. By the way, all these names for God are names with Elohim as the root. El speaks of Elohim, the first name for God in our Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, other names, we're going to come to the next chapter and Abraham is going to find a place and name it Jehovah Jireh. That's a compound name for God with Jehovah's name. But these names, all these names that we've just looked at are all compound names with Elohim. So, Abraham calls on the everlasting God. So, here's my message today in a sentence. We need the everlasting God with us in our violent world. Because life is brief. Life is short. We need to know we have everlasting life. And the only one who can give us everlasting life is the one who has made an everlasting covenant. Our Elohim, the everlasting God. The only one who can give us an everlasting possession of land, which he promised to Abraham back in chapter 17. And that word Olam is used for the everlasting covenant, which speaks of giving life. And the everlasting promise of land to Abraham, which ultimately speaks of the eternal kingdom of God for us, is the everlasting God. He can make an everlasting promise of life. And of heaven itself. Amen? We need the everlasting God in our lives to thrive and survive in a savage world. So here's how to depend on the help of El Olam. I want to give you three things, simple things. They'll be practical. Three simple things on how to depend on the help of our everlasting God in a very savage society.
And we are living in the days of Abraham where the world hasn't changed. We need the Lord to, first of all, live peacefully with all men. And that's the first passage here. And if you go back up to verse 22, let's just walk through this passage a little bit. Abimelech comes to Abraham and initiates, if you will, a pact of peace. Abimelech wants peace, not aggression. He doesn't want war. And so Abimelech, the king, comes to Abraham. Now remember, Abimelech and Abraham had met in chapter 20, where Abraham had been deceptive and told Abimelech Sarah was his who? Remember Sarah? He said, Sarah is my, my sister. And so Abimelech kidnapped her, and then the Lord brought sickness to Abimelech in his whole house. So God had Abraham pray. Remember, God had Abraham pray for Abimelech, and God did what? He healed Abimelech in all of his household. So now they meet again. So Abimelech says, the first thing he says to Abraham, and he comes with his chief captain, by the way, so he recognizes Abraham as a man of authority and power and substance to come with his chief captain as well. And he basically wants a peace treaty with Abraham and make sure there's no conflicts between them. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, God is with you in everything that you're, in, in that you're doing. He recognized there was something different about Abraham. Does the world see the difference in you? They will if you're living for Jesus. Now, Abraham wasn't perfect, but he was a man who prayed and Abimelech's family got cured. So, maybe that's what's motivating that statement there. Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. And I want to have peace with you. Maybe Abimelech wanted more of those prayers of Abraham in his life. You know, the people you work with will want more of your prayers. The people in your neighborhood see the blessing of God on you. They should. Your neighbors see the blessing of God on you. Pray for them. God is with you, Abraham. So then Abimelech says, So Abraham, I want you to swear to me today. I want you to make an oath and promise that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants and that as I have been kind to you, be kind to me. So here's how to live peacefully, peacefully with all men. How do we live in peace in a savage world. And I find it amazing that an unsaved worldly king comes to Abraham and is actually pleading for Abraham for pe- with peace. So here's two unconditional life principles in that verse. Did you see them? Two unconditional life principles in that verse to live peaceably at peace with other people. Do you want to have peace with other people? you want to have peace with your boss at work? Want to have peace with your co-workers who, you, who maybe they backstabbed you already? But you can have peace with them. Here are two vital principles and they're both rooted in the very nature of God. Our everlasting God, El Olam, to live at peace with others. What, what are they? 
What's the first one? He says that thou wilt not deal what? So be a man of what? What, what should be, we be? We should be people who tell the truth. We should be people of truthfulness. So here is Abimelech, an unsaved worldly king, pleading with Abraham to not deal falsely with him. Now let me ask you, what if somebody cheats you? Are you going to still treat them with integrity and honesty? Should you? Yes. You should be honest in your business dealings. Honest in your personal dealings. Honest with your finances. Honest with your words. We, as the people of God, are to be people of truthfulness. Because truth is rooted in the very nature of who God is. The strength of Israel will not lie. Could God lie? No. And there's an amazing verse in Isaiah. It says, for He said... Surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. Now that's not saying if you tell one lie, you're not saved. But if you are saved, you and I need to be people of truth, honesty, integrity. There are seven things that God hates, Proverbs chapter 6. You know, two of them relate to what? Lying. Two of them. God hates lying, it says. The lying tongue He hates and false witnesses that speak lies. I remind you, He hates them. You say, well, I can get rich when I lie. When I lie, I get blessed. When I lie, other people actually do what I ask them to do. I can control the people better when I lie to them. Stop it. Proverbs 21.6 says, The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. Yeah, you can get rich by lying, but you are on the pathway to death because liars go to hell. The Bible consistently tells us we need to tell the truth, right? It's in the commandments. It's in the New Testament. We're to be honest people because God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. So, see, this is rooted in the character of God. There's no falsehood in God. What's the second principle? Unconditional principle on how to live at peace with other people. We are people of truth and we're people of what? What does he say? He says, I want you to treat me with, what's that word? Kindness. And I don't give you too many Hebrew words. You know why? Because I don't know Hebrew. But there's a few Hebrew words that I've come to know that are really amazing and rich words that we should know. And one of them is this word, translated kindness, and it's that Hebrew word chesed. I've said it many times from this pulpit. And it's the, it deals with the loving kindness, the incredible, infinite mercies of God. And this, is, this takes divine love. This kindness. And this kindness is also in God. Isaiah 63, the same passage that I just read, but the verse before it, verse 7 says, I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house 
of, of Israel, which He hath bestowed on them according to His mercies and according to the multitude of His loving kindness. So that verse has, that word has said in it twice, I highlighted them both. The loving kindnesses of the Lord. The multitude of His loving kindness. So, you know what Abimelech is asking Abraham to be like? Be like the one you say you believe in. By the way, do you know, ladies, there's a law in the virtuous woman's tongue. And you know what it is? Proverbs 31 in the virtuous woman passage, one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. Proverbs 31.26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Chesed. And so we... We, should, we ought to be, because God is a person of kindness. Now, none of us are perfect. I know I'm not. I'm not as kind as I should be. But that's our goal. As we're led of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's really, said is bound up in that word of love, agape, love. Love and joy and peace and goodness and meekness and faith. Really, these two words comprise the fruit of the Spirit for the believer. We're not to be angry liars in this world that's savage. We're not to be looking for a fight. We're to be looking for peace. So here's here's what God says to us. This is what God is saying to Abraham through Abimelech. Abraham, be truthful and be kind. That's it. You know that already. But are you? Are we? Now, these narratives are so interesting to me because as we read them, I I like to wonder, what's what's the motive of these guys, you know? Like, what's the motive of Abimelech coming out to Abraham and asking for him to be truthful and kind to him? What's up his sleeve? Does he have another agenda going on here? I, I don't know completely. But I, 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 I kind of wonder, he's a heathen king, and Abraham knows, Abraham in the back of his mind knows, what did Abimelech's servants do? He stole his wells. And Abraham is not saying, but you stole my well, and you're telling me I should be truthful and kind to you. Look what your servants did to me. No, Abraham doesn't say that. At first, the first thing when he says, will you deal in truthfulness and kindness to me, Abraham just flat up says what? In verse number 24, he says what? I swear, I give you my word. I give you my word. So what this is telling us, beloved, is whatever people have done to you, whatever you think they may have done to you, we still have an obligation in the sight of God to treat other people with what? Kindness and truthfulness. We're people of God. We're different. We don't, we don't function on the, on the planes of this world of lying and anger and revenge and savage type behavior. But as I wrote, as I read Abimelech's words, I'm wondering really what's in his heart as well. Is he reminding Abraham of Abraham's past deception? And he's basically saying, you lied to me once, Abraham. I think you're going to be lying again to me, so please don't lie to me anymore. I don't know. Could be. 
is he's saying, don't do it again. You tricked me once, and I think you're going to do it again, so now I have to ask you, don't do it anymore. Maybe he's saying that. Or is he using Abraham's past deception to overlook his own past behavior of kidnapping his wife? Because, again, in the past he kidnapped his wife, and now he's, his servants have stolen his wells. We'll get to that in a moment. But so is, is Abimelech, because notice even what he says here. He says, treat me with the kindness that I have treated you. I've been so nice to you. Be nice to me. Now, the, the man kidnapped his wife. <laughs> but on the other hand, you could say Abimelech, in his mind, he may have thought he has been nice to Abraham because he's let Abraham, he, he gave Abraham the choice of, uh, of, of where he wanted to live and where he wanted to settle and graze his flocks and so forth. So in some ways, he has been kind to him. But the point, again, that we need to see from this passage of Scripture is that we must unconditionally give to the world truthfulness and kindness. Unconditionally. Can you agree with that? Sometimes they're going to walk all over you. We can't, you know, the world says, no, I'm not going to be your doormat. I'm going to fight you with what, how you're fighting me. No, no, we don't. We don't fight the way the world fights. We live in truth and kindness. And that's why we're trusting in the everlasting God. See, we're not just living for the power of this world. We're living for something beyond this world. We're, and, and later on we're going to see Abraham sees himself as a pilgrim, as a stranger, because he's living for the everlasting God. And this is where our faith in God changes our whole worldview, doesn't it? And we live with truth and kindness because Jesus Christ died for us on the cross while we were unkind, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet hateful, while we were yet punching Him and mocking Him and spitting at Him and pulling out His beard from Him. He's still in love and unconditional mercy because He is truth, was crucified by a vicious world for our sins. And so that's why the Bible says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And can you read Romans chapter 12, 18 with me? I love this verse. It says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, sometimes it's not going to be possible. And Abraham had to go fight against those kings and had to slaughter them, as we, we saw later. But as, as much as it's possible, live peaceably. Paul says, with all men. And let me just make one application here of truthfulness and kindness. Money's a big part of this world. Money's a big part that drives the, you know, people treating each other in such savage ways. Money gets people angry. One of the main reasons marriages break up, it's, it's conflict over money. And so we need to be kind and truthful with our, in our financial dealings. 
Now think about this. How many of you have a credit card? I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up here. If you could just, just put your, okay, just to see. We all have, most of us have credit cards. Okay. Now, when you, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up anymore. It's okay. Just relax. Don't get nervous. Okay. When you go and buy something at the store, what do you do when you make that purchase with that credit card? Generally, generally. You sign for it, right? When you're signing for it, what are you saying? What are you obligating yourself to do? To pay it back. Do you? I just ask you. I don't know anybody. Nobody came and told on you. Okay? Don't come up to Did so-and-so come and tell you what I... I have no... No. Nothing. Blank slate up here. Okay? <laughs> but I do know what goes on with credit cards in our society. People get ten of them. And they, they, sometimes they max out, max them out, and then they pay the minimum payments. Or even some people said, oh, I'm just going to get ten cards, max them all out, and then declare bankruptcy or something. And you signed your name to pay back, and now you're a thief. The Bible says that the wicked borrow and do not pay again. So when you're signing your name for a credit card, you're basically borrowing that money to buy that thing, that item, and you're obligating yourself. You're saying, my name is good. But if you don't pay it back, is your name good? Have you dealt in kindness and truthfulness? No. If you need to repent, repent. We need to be honest in our financial dealings. You need to look at your credit rating if you haven't. Make sure it's good. <laughs> okay, I'll leave you alone now. Let's move to that next point. Okay. The second thing is, we need to courageously confront injustice. Now, this is amazing to me because right after Abraham swears, gives his word, he will deal with kindness and truthfulness, he is going to confront an injustice that happened to him. So just because you're kind and truthful doesn't mean you can't deal with the problems that are right in front of your face. No. Deal with them in truth. Deal with them in kindness. But confront the injustice. And that's what Abraham does next. Verse 25. Abraham, therefore, it says, he reproved Abimelech because a well of water, which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. So, Abraham says, oh yeah, I know, you, you, you think you've been kind to me, but, but do you know what happened? Your servants stole my well, my, uh, uh, the, the very thing that would give my flocks and me existence in this particular region of, of Israel. So I say, do not be afraid. We need to have courage to stand for truth in this life. We need to have courage to be kind, but courage to confront injustice. There's a lot of injustice in our world. Now, I love what Abimelech says here. And again, I don't know fully his motive. I kind of have an opinion about it. But look what Abimelech says when Abraham confronts this violent behavior. Abimelech said in verse 26, I want not who, who did this. Really? My servants took your well? I don't know who did that. And then he says, nobody told me about it. Huh. 
And I'm the king. Hmm. And you never, you never mentioned this to me. You never told me about this before, Abraham. Now, what do you think of Abimelech there? On the one hand, maybe he's just being flat out honest. That he didn't know about it. But on the other hand, maybe he's claiming plausible deniability. You know what that is, right? He had his servants do it. So he could say, I don't, I don't know what happened. Really? They didn't tell me what they did. I don't know for sure. But go to Genesis chapter 26. The same thing happens later on in the life of Isaac. And the same area, the same people, the Philistines were stealing the wells of Isaac. And this is the Rehoboth story, you know, where he finally dug a well and he called it Rehoboth. In Genesis chapter 26, they, they, they were violently taking away a number of the wells. And then they came to the same place to Beersheba, Genesis chapter 26, verse 23. Verse 24, the Lord appears to Isaac and says, Fear not, I am with you. I will bless you. Don't be afraid. They've been stealing your wells. So look what Isaac does. He does what his father had done. He built an altar in verse 25 and called upon the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech went to him. Now, I don't know if this is the same Abimelech. Maybe Abimelech is a title. But it's the same line of kings as who's dealing with Abraham. And Abimelech comes out to him and Isaac says to him, look what he says in verse 27. He asks him a question. What's the question in verse 27? What does he say? Isaac says to Abimelech, why are you hating on me, man? You hated me. You're stealing my wells. And, he, and they said, we saw the Lord was with you and we said... Let there now be an oath betwixt us, between us. It's kind of the same thing as with Abraham. They steal the well and now we want to make an oath. Now we want to make an agreement of peace. It's almost like they got what they wanted here. They got what they wanted and they said, let's agree not to do it anymore. We got what we want. <laughs> right? So then he says, he says something similar to Isaac that he said to Abraham in verse 29. He says, Thou art now the blessed of the Lord. I, I, I don't know, is he flattering him? Is he honest? It's hard to sometimes know. We know what he said. You know, and the Bible's telling us what he said. But the motive behind it, we're not certain, absolutely. But now watch this. So they, they made a feast and... Oh, oh, verse 29. I wanted to read verse 29. Look at 26, 29. He says, So this is what Abimelech is saying to Isaac here. He says, That thou wilt do us no hurt. We have not touched thee. See, it's the same similar kind of, of an agreement that Abimelech is making with Abraham. Don't, do, don't hurt us. We haven't touched you. We haven't hurt you. We've done to you nothing but good. So, so he says, uh, And we have sent you away in peace. In other words, is that true? In the, in the text, it's definitely not true. And he knew what was going on. So, if the same thing is going on back in Abraham's life, could well be. What I'm saying is this. This is the world we're living in. They will expect you to treat them in a certain way with kindness and truth. And guess what they'll do to you? Treat you unkindly and lie in your face. Is that the world we're living in? It happens. 
Does it give you a right to treat other people unkindly and deceitfully? No. We just got to trust God. Because who are we trusting? The everlasting God. By the way, you know what the standard of the world is, right? The standard of this world is a double standard. (laughs) So he has courage... He has a heart of righteous zeal, I should have put this up on the screen, to confront the theft of the well. He had a a zeal for righteousness. And by the way, we need to confront unrighteousness. And when I say a heart of zeal and to confront unrighteousness and to seek justice, our, our view of justice is completely different from unsaved people. Completely different. Like Christians, we see abortion as a great injustice, a murder of an innocent life. The world doesn't see that as unjust. They see the opposite as unjust. It's unjust if you don't let a woman do what she wants with her own body. You see, so the world's system of justice is upside down from ours. Ours, Our sense of what's right, our knowledge of right and wrong, doesn't come from our opinions. It doesn't come from the media. It doesn't come from our political party's platform. It has to come from the Word of God. Right and wrong. God alone has the right to define what is right, what is wrong, and sin itself. By the way, you know what's going to happen in the next generation? And we're already hearing these whispers of what they're calling MAP. Have you heard of MAP? M A P. A teacher in a college went on social media and said, you know, pedophilia has such a negative connotation. We're changing. We, we want to come up with another term, and we're calling it MAP. M-A-P. And it stands for Minor Attracted Person. They're coming after our children. They want our children to join in that whole trans LGBT thing so that they can ultimately be so abused and used. That's their system of right and wrong. Obviously not ours. So we go back to the Bible. We have to understand what the Scripture says. And we won't go into all the details. But the point is we have to courageously confront injustice that's based on a biblical definition of what is right and wrong. And then Abraham has a heart to build trust. So let, let's try to go through this. I don't want to get into all the details because it's very interesting what goes on here, actually, because there, there's ancient customs that we don't even do. So basically, here's what happens. Abraham and Abimelech are deciding to have peace with each other. So Abraham is going to give Abimelech gifts. Of, of, it says in verse number 27, Abraham is going to give him sheep and oxen. And those sheep and oxen are basically just general gifts Abraham's going to give to Abimelech to guarantee a peaceful coexistence between them. He's going to give sheep and oxen. That's the general guarantee for the covenant promise that Abraham had made when he said, I will treat you with honesty and truthfulness. And, and kindness. But then he gives another set of another gift. 
It, and it's mentioned in verse 28, 29, and 30. And it's kind of like, what is going on here? Because this, we don't do this. Do you ever give somebody an animal to, to show that you're going to treat them nice? Give them a cat? <laughs> a dog? Here, here's a pet. You know, I'll treat you nice. Here's, a, here's my dog that I don't want. No. No, but... So, th- basically, there's this ancient custom going on. And so, Abraham first gives him these sheep and goats... An oxen, verse 27. And then he said, seven ewe lambs. Now I had to look that up. I had no idea what a ewe lamb was. It's a female lamb, young, aged one to three years old. So they're in the prime of their ability to procreate. And they were valuable gifts because female lambs could breed and produce milk. So he gives seven female lambs in unblemished condition, and Abimelech said, what are these lambs for? And verse 29, what, 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 are, you, what are you giving me these? What, what's that for? Abimelech's even questioning. Because we question it too. Like, what's going on here? And then Abraham said, for these seven you lambs, you shall take from these from my hand, that you may be a witness to, to me, that I have digged this well. So Abraham is proving to Abimelech by this generous gift that who dug the well? Abraham. And who stole the well? His servants. And who, who does the well rightfully belong to? Abraham. So this gift was a valuable gift and it was to show that Abraham's word, his word was reliable. His word was as valuable, as reliable as that gift. He was trying and seeking to build trust. Now again, we don't go about building trust this way. Okay? Now just follow me, if if you will. We don't build trust by giving you lamb gifts to people, right? But we do build trust with people. How? With our word. And how do people know that our word is true? We do what we say. We have to be dependable to what we're saying we're going to do. And then people will then build up a trust in us. You can't have a relationship that is valuable, that, that is long-lasting, whether it's marriage. You, you can't, you're not going to have a loving relationship in your marriage if you don't have trust and respect in that relationship. You have to speak your word and they have to know that what you're speaking is coming out of the kindness of your heart and it's truth. You have to demonstrate that. That's what this passage is about. That Abraham was a man who was dependable and true to his word. He had a heart of righteous zeal. He had a heart to build trust because he had El Olam as his God. And then lastly, and I'll hit this quick, and it really goes back to this. Abimelech leaves. He says, okay, this is great. We'll, we'll have this peace treaty with you. And you know what the first thing Abraham does after Abimelech leaves? It says he planted a grove. Now, you know why he planted a grove? It was some kind of a deciduous tree an evergreen type of a tree. It says he planted a grove. It would grow up to 20 to 30 feet in height, 
so it would provide shade because the climate was very hot, very dry. And so Abraham planting this tree is trusting God that the well is going to provide the water for this tree to grow. So to plant this tree took what for Abraham? Faith in the everlasting God. For this evergreen tree, if you will. Now, here was Abraham in the midst of this howling wilderness. And if I were Abraham, I'd be wondering, you know, how are we going to ha- how are we going to have our supplies met? But God was going to take care of him through the hot sun in that dry climate with that well that he had demonstrated was his. God was going to supply for him because God is the everlasting God and he's faithful. So Abraham seeks the Lord. He's not wondering, where's Pathmark? I can't live out here. Honey, you brought me out here. Where's Pathmark? Or Is there a Walmart anywhere? No, just the well, sweetheart. He says to Sarah. Or how about, what's the Wi-Fi password here? Can you imagine not living without these absolute necessities? But Abraham didn't need a Walmart, and he didn't need a Pathmark and a Wi-Fi password. He needed who? He needed the Lord. And so look, go back to where we started. It says, He called there on the name of the Lord. And I say in this point that Abraham is consistently seeking God first. Consistently because the first thing he did when he went into the land of promise was to seek God. To seek God. And he's still doing it. He's still doing it. Keep on. Even though he's failed. Even though he's flawed. Even though he's still got room to grow. And we can all get discouraged about what, where we are. Sometimes we're, we, we're like, why, why haven't I grown beyond this situation? Why do I keep falling into these same traps? Listen, keep seeking God, no matter what. Keep seeking the Lord. Consistently seek God first. He called on the name of the Lord. Genesis 13, Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Hagar called on the name of the Lord. Isaac called on the name of the Lord. The Lord called on His own name and proclaimed His name. And Job said, no matter what, blessed be the name of the Lord. So praise God. He is our everlasting God. Let us consistently seek the Lord. And as I close, I just want you to think about those seven ewe lambs. Seven is a number of completion, perfection. A ewe lamb speaks of an unblemished, fruitful lamb that can provide nourishment. And Abraham gave this as a gift to Abimelech to demonstrate he, he was dependable. <coughs> Dear friends, as we close, go to Hebrews chapter 13, please. I want to say that the Lord has provided something better for us than seven ewe lambs. He's provided for us the perfect lamb of truth and kindness. His name is Jesus Christ. He's provided the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He sent His everlasting Son who gives everlasting life through the everlasting Gospel of Jesus Christ. And Hebrews chapter 13 
It says in verse 20, Now the God of peace, He is a God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, because He's a God of truth. He said He was going to do it, and He did it. That great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. The everlasting covenant. That's our word for the day. Everlasting. Olam. Our Olam, El Olam, sent His everlasting Son, who gives everlasting life, who's given the everlasting Gospel. And it's through the everlasting Son of God, Jesus Christ, that we are born from above. Born again, hallelujah. Are you saved? We're bought with His precious blood. The the blood of the perfect you Lamb, if you will. Jesus Christ. And we're bound for glory to inherit everlasting life. So I say, thank God for El Olam, our everlasting God. Never stop calling on His name. Let's stand together as we pray. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord. We're living in difficult times. But we can thrive. We can live for our Savior. Even in a savage society that seems bent on their own ways. So I say to you, trust the everlasting God. Peacefully live with all men. With kindness and truth. Has God spoken to your heart today? How many would say, Pastor Matt, I've not been truthful. I've not been kind with the people around me. And I want to seek peace as much as lieth in me. I want to live at peace with those around me. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your neighborhood or your workplace. Peacefully live. Put your hand up. You say, Pastor, pray for me. And as you're putting your hand up, you're thinking of that person Maybe that you were unkind to. And just ask God to forgive you. And maybe speak to them. And let them know, you know, I said something I shouldn't have said. Please forgive me. It's not wrong for you to do that. Build up that trust with the people around you. You can put your hands down. Maybe you need to courageously confront injustice. If people have been untruthful to you, they've been stealing in some kind of way from you, It's not wrong for you to, in kindness, but with truth, speak to them. And that will take courage on your part. But through it all, seek God first. Don't ever lose sight of your pathway into His presence and burn a hole on your carpet, on your knees, seeking the Lord, giving Him thanks, praising the name of our God with a song. May He fill each of our hearts with thankfulness at this time of year. Now, Father, thank You for this day. As the psalmist said, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. Thank You that You're our El Olam, O Lord. You love us so much. And by Your grace, we can confess we love You. Let's let's, uh, sing this song. My heart is filled with thankfulness as we close our service today.
Lord's blessing on the food that we're going to partake of. And we want to invite everyone. We have plenty of food, I believe, for everyone. God will multiply the food if He needs to for all of us to be satisfied at the well today. Our Beersheba well provided by the Lord. But I want to put a blessing on you today as we close our service. Psalm 69, verse 30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song. Say it with me. I will praise the name of God. And you will. You're going to praise God's name as you go forth this week. And you're going to experience His love and His kindness, His truthfulness in your heart as you praise His mighty name. Our El Elyon. Our El Roi. Our El Shaddai. Our El Olam, the everlasting God. You're going to praise His name and magnify Him with thanksgiving by the grace of God. So magnify the Lord. Give Him thanks. Let's pray. Thank You, Lord, now for this beautiful day. Thank You for Your wonderful provisions. Thank You for the food. Thank You for the hands that have prepared it, especially for Sister Joni, who has worked very hard, and Misha have worked very hard to set this all up for us. And Lord, bless the food. Nourish our bodies with it. May we have wonderful fellowship thanking You for everything. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you all. Have a beautiful day.